Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Father Kevin Wojciechowski back with the Cause for Joy podcast. I am not joined by Emma for this recording. Uh, Emma has gone down a dark, dark road of just uh, great moral depravity, and so we will pray for her conversion because it doesn't seem like she's coming back. No, I'm totally joking. She is <laughs> off teaching faith formation, so she will be with us for the next recording. But in her place, we have someone who is a special guest who is going to start becoming more of a regular presence here on the podcast. Going to introduce her now. This is Mary Kate Payne. I almost said Bud, but Mary Kate. That's my maiden name. That's the maiden name. I'm still getting used to that. How many years has it been? Two and a half. Marriage? Two yeah, and a half. About two and okay. a half. And I'm still getting used to the name change. So, so it was Mary Kate Bud. It's now Mary Kate Payne. And was your wedding hashtag pain in the bud? Yeah, pain in the bud wedding. Right. So I was I was thinking about this earlier. I thought, you know, that's that's a pretty solid pun when it comes to wedding hashtags. And I'm wondering, in your experience growing up as a bud and now as a pain, like I'm sure you got a lot of puns thrown at you because of those names. And I'm wondering. What's, what are the best ones that you've ever heard? For instance, when I was with you and your extended family a couple days ago, you know, I made the comment, just, just hanging out with my buds, right? Which I'm sure you've heard your oh, whole yeah. life. But has there ever been any really unique play on those names of either bud or pain that you can think of? The most common one for bud is, yeah, like hanging out with buds or, you know, something like that. And then uh, for pains, everybody, whenever I'm, you know, expecting or whatnot, they're like, if it's a girl, you should name it Ima. So it's I'm a pain or sham, champagne. And then Ooh, that's a good one. I actually went into my in-laws garage at one point and uh, I saw a propane tank on the floor and it was, they wrote on the propane tank, pain and i was like oh hey look it's propane and my oh. husband just looked at me like oh my gosh that's <laughs> one i have not heard because <laughs> you're you're married to uh obviously a pain and i well <laughs> the last name is pain i won't make any judgment any on his character <laughs> right um i'm sure he's not a pain but uh yeah so we i knew your husband for a while now and when we were in seminary together, you know, they would always joke about the pain train, like the pain oh, yeah. trains coming. So I'm sure he's heard plenty of those throughout his childhood as well. Oh, he probably got more jokes than I ever did as a bud. Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's still time. You know, we have your extended family. You have now this new last name. I'm sure we can think of some creative puns. If you have any puns, listeners, feel free to send them in. And uh, we may read them off if they're good. So Mary-Kate, just like uh, we did a couple episodes ago when Emma and I were kind of introducing ourselves, we thought we would give you a chance to share a little bit about yourself because like I mentioned, you're going to start becoming uh, more of a regular presence on the podcast. So we just wanted to give listeners a little bit of a snapshot into your life, a little bit about uh, your upbringing, your current vocation. So uh, maybe you could just share with our listeners a little bit about kind of like childhood and teenage years let's say like all the way up till around college or so just give us a little snapshot of what the family life was like um, any any hobbies that you had just to kind of paint a picture of all that yeah sure so I am the youngest of six kids my parents had uh, four boys and two girls my dad is actually from Pittsburgh met my mom uh, who is from Michigan kind of through Our Lady of Fatima it's, it's a pretty cool story um, my dad had gone to Fatima as a teenager and met my uncles there and uh, became friends with them, called them 
one day and my mom answered the phone and that's how they started talking and dating and so uh yeah kind of through our lady of fatima so they ended up getting married in may to honor her that's awesome yeah got uh four older brothers rich steve chris and andrew and then an older sister laura and i have 21 nieces and nephews Let's go. Oh, yeah. It's so awesome. far. It's so far. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, and actually, shout out to my oldest nephew, John, because it's his birthday today, the day Ooh. that we're recording, October 4th. So happy birthday to my nephew. Really, really just love the extended family. They're all really awesome. So I grew up in Bay City, um, Creative Catholic, all that good stuff. Grew up saying the Daily Rosary, Divine Mercy Chaplet, all that. When I graduated high school, I ended up going to Franciscan University of Steubenville for a year. Played softball there, made a lot of good friendships. Uh, I went to Delta College for a while uh, with the intention of going into English and becoming a teacher. And then one day, um, my brother, my oldest brother, Rich, said to me, you know, you really have a love for the church and for theology. Like, why aren't you going into that? And it was almost like a light bulb went off, you know, and it was like, wow, okay. So then I started looking into uh, where I could study that and found Catholic Distance University. They're based out in um, West Virginia, Virginia area, and uh, all online. So I could pretty much study at my own pace. Um, But I mean, there was still uh, some sort of a structure as well. I mean, you had weekly assignments and whatnot. So I graduated from there uh, with my uh, associate's degree in the beginning of 2019 then started working for the university as the student life coordinator uh, later that year in August. That's awesome. And just to back up a little bit, too, because to show how you and I cross paths is that you spent a little bit of time at Delta. I think you were alluding to that when you were saying about possibly becoming an English teacher yep. at the time. Although I, I think you have a love for history, too, don't you? I do, yeah. Okay. So so you were going to be an English teacher, not like history teacher wasn't really on Not the radar really. It was just like, yeah, I was going for English. So yeah, that's where I met you. Um, I was going to SVSU and you were going to Delta at the time. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a campus ministry offered at SVSU. And that's, I think, where we crossed paths because they had daily mass offered uh, one of the days of the week. They had some other fellowship opportunities. And so I think that's where we ended up crossing paths and getting to know each other. So I actually knew you before I knew what would later become your husband when I entered seminary. So yep. it was kind of a cool overlap there. Um, so we, we met at Delta. And then as I went off to seminary, that's when you started to pursue that degree through the uh, through the Catholic Distance University. Yep. So yeah, that's awesome. What, what were those classes like? Like it, it, you said it was a two-year program, right? Yeah. So I think I actually started it, let's see, I think it was 2015 is when I started. And then I um, would do one class at a time rather than several. <clears throat> so um, ended up finishing in early 2019. Part of that was because at the time, the university didn't offer any um, math classes. Now they do. So I had to try to find a good math course that I could take so that I could finish up that degree. So ended up, yeah, finishing January of 2019. So it was more like three-ish years when okay. I actually got the degree. Okay. And and something else, too, that Emma and I were talking about was because, you, you know, you said you studied theology. And theology, I mean, it's, it's just a, a minefield. There's so many different subjects contained in that word theology. There's so many different avenues you can go down and really become passionate about. And I think when Emma was talking in a previous episode, she says she really has a heart for Scripture. Um, so she loves Scripture, and then she loves a lot of, like, the 
theology on things like the Trinity and, and really get in, into some of that dogmatic theology. And I think from my experience with theology, I really appreciated a lot of the spiritual theology as well as um, some of the scripture classes that I had. I found those to be very enriching. So out of out of all the classes, I would say like that was kind of my sweet spot, like the parts I really enjoyed. How about for you? I mean, you said you were a history buff, so I would assume church history would probably be a passion of yours. But is there any other aspect of theology that really kind of gets you passionate? I would say um, probably my favorite classes while I was at the university were um, the classes on the catechism. Um, just because there's such a wealth of information of what the church teaches, like actual fact um, in the catechism. So that was, I really, really enjoyed just being able to uh, to read the catechism and, and go from there and, and studying what the church teaches. Such a rich book, too. I, I know I sometimes, before I had to read it because of seminary, I just looked at it and just it just seemed like such an intimidating book, and I had the impression it was going to be very dry and academic, but it's actually very beautifully written, and it's it's a lot more accessible than I think people give it credit for. So, yeah, maybe if, if you're sitting at home and you have a big old catechism out there, I know Father Mike Schmitz calls it BG for Big Green. If you got the Big <laughs> Green version, you know, just open it up, you know, and it's got the table of contents to show all sorts of topics that it covers. And so if, uh, if you want to look up something about prayer, if you want to look up something about um, just Jesus's human and divine nature, if you have questions about Mary, I mean, just go into those paragraphs and see what the catechism says, because a lot of the texts uh, that are contained in there are just more rich than I would have thought. And so I just offer that as an encouragement for others. Yeah. I would say one of my favorite papers to write was about the four marks, one holy Catholic apostolic. Um, Just because in the catechism, what it has in there about those is just so rich and so meaningful. So, I, I mean, that's a good place to start if you do. I'm glad that you clarified what four marks was referring to because I go, well, I have a friend named Mark Martin and then there's St. Mark, Mark, there's Father Mark Hobbs, and I was like, who's the fourth? But I'm glad you clarified, because <laughs> that saved me a little bit of an existential crisis there, and our fact checker, Stephen, is losing it once again, but hey, gotta love traditions, that's why we're Catholic, right? Exactly. Amen, amen. So Mary-Kate, another thing that I wanted to kind of pick your brain on is to explore how this whole being a bride and being a mom is going. You know, Emma and I offer our perspectives as single persons, myself as a priest, uh, herself as a lay woman who's still discerning what it is God is calling her to for a vocation. But you're someone who has plunged into the vocation of marriage, and now you have three kids under two. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, okay. So I don't even know where to start. Is there anything that is just coming to your mind of something you want to share about what that's been like? Because you've been married... You said two and a half years now? Yeah, yeah. Two and a half years. Okay. So uh, Jason and I were married in June of 2019. You served the Mass for us. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> that was before Father was Father. Um, and uh, right off the bat, we were um, expecting our honeymoon child, who is now 18 months old, um, Mary Therese. Mary Therese. Beautiful. Yeah. That was an adventure. Um, she is... She's crazy. She's spunky. We love it. Um, she can definitely try our patience sometimes, but she is... Does the is... spunkiness come from your side or Jason's side? Oh, definitely me. She's at that stage where you can just have a ton of fun and play with her and, and stuff like that. This past December, actually the day after Christmas, we found out we were expecting again. Really very excited. And then on February 1st of 2021, we found out that we were expecting twins. 
Let's go. Yeah, so that was quite the surprise. A little bit of a shock. We were extremely excited, but also a little bit terrified. Sure. <laughs> um, because it's like, oh, whoa, we know how to do one, but now we're going to have to do two. And honestly, it's really not been uh, too bad. They've been pretty good. Um, good sleepers, good feeders, you know, all that good stuff. It was funny because when we first brought them home from the NICU um, and Mary Trez met them, she just kind of ignored them for like, a few weeks. And then finally she was like, okay, I guess they're not leaving anytime soon. I should probably acknowledge that they exist. And then she actually started to interact with them and it's been really good to see how she does with that. So that's been fun. But, uh, yeah, so married in, in June of 2019 and, um, three kids since then. Life definitely has its joys, but it also can be pretty overwhelming at times, especially, you know, when you've got two kids that you need to feed and then Mary Trez needs her own needs and and wants. Um, And because she's only 18 months, I mean, she wants to be able to sit with mama too. And so when I'm trying to feed the boys, it makes it a little bit overwhelming. But uh, in those overwhelming moments, in those difficult moments, I try to remember the good moments. Like the other day I was pulling uh, dinner out of the oven and I looked over and I saw Mary Trez interacting with Max in his little swing chair thing. And it was just a really beautiful moment to see because he was looking up at her and she was kind of just talking to him, babbling to him. And it was it was a really sweet moment. So I try to I try to hang on to those moments in the in the difficult moments. And I also try to look to um, the cross, um, look to those saints um, who were wives and mothers and who n- would understand where I'm at in my life. I also try to make sure that I'm taking time for prayer during the day, whether it's, you know, while I'm folding laundry or doing the dishes or, you know, picking up toys. I try to make sure I'm saying little prayers throughout the day, whether it's, you know, Jesus help Mary Trez to be patient today with the boys or Jesus help the boys to feed well today. So little prayers like that. And one of the things that I was thinking about while I was thinking about, you know, what it's like to be a wife and a mother is I might not always be able to adore him in the Eucharist in in perpetual adoration or anything like that, but I can adore him in the dishes, Mm. you know, um, in doing my daily duty, which, I mean, I chose St. Therese as my confirmation saint, and she's all about the little way and doing your daily duty. And so I try to look to her in doing that because sometimes doing your daily duty is, is hard to do. Uh, you you kind of just want to sit and enjoy life and not worry about your responsibilities, but <laughs> that's not realistic. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, that's that's a big thing. And then another big thing is that you know when when we go to mass um, on Sundays, sometimes the kids are really good, and sometimes they are just they are over it, especially when it gets to the announcements at the end of mass <laughs> <laughs> well, i think that's everybody not just your kids to be fair <laughs> if you'd all like to sit down now we have a few announcements oh no <sighs> and so what jason and i try to remember is that you know we might have a hard time being fully present or hearing all of the homily but god looks on us with joy that we brought our kids to mass Amen. Um, and so we try to remember that when we're hassling with the kids and trying to get them to calm down and having to take them out of out into the back of the church and all that good stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. There's just so much there that uh, was just very beautiful and, and worth reflecting on. And I guess one of the things I appreciate what you're doing there is you're holding like two realities in tension. Um, you're, you're acknowledging 
the joys and the beauties that you experience that are are real. And you're also acknowledging that it is challenging and it does try you. And it's not it's not like an either or. It's not like you ignore the challenges and say, oh, this is great. But it's it's also you're also finding ways it seems to discover um, the the joys and discover in a new way. Uh, God's presence in the midst of maybe the new set of challenges. And maybe we could just ask one more question in, in that regard, mm-hmm. because this is something that I've heard from other friends of mine who have uh, been married, have kids, and just the shift that takes place perhaps in their spirituality. Let's let's say we're talking to this, about someone who before they were married, before they had kids, they had a pretty devout prayer life. Maybe they could have more time where they could go into a chapel and have quiet alone time. And now they're lucky if they can get, you know, five minutes of quiet alone time and their their prayer starts to shift. They either despair and they just give up and they say, prayer isn't for me and I just, I'm, I'm done. Or they kind of get innovative and they find new ways, yeah. again, to sense God's presence and uh, to be responsive to that throughout the day. So maybe if you could highlight a little bit in more detail how that shift occurred in you, how you went from, you know, having time for personal prayer to now how you're seeking to find God in all things. Because I think that's something that anyone who's listening to this right now who is uh, a young married couple or even, you know, couples who have been married for a long time uh, may still be struggling with. So what are some things that you've found have been helpful for you in these last two and a half years? And then now with, with kids, how that can be another added challenge to that. Yeah, so there definitely is a shift. Um, there has to be a shift because you're going from being single to then eventually a married person, then eventually to a parent. And so I would say as a single person, I had a lot more quote-unquote freedom to go to adoration or go to daily mass. I found actually kind of recently more of a deeper freedom in a sense, a deeper freedom to love. Because as John Paul II says, freedom consists not in doing what we like, but in having the right to do what we ought. And then uh, Chesterton also says, most modern freedom is at root fear. It is not so much that we are too bold to endure rules. It is rather that we are too timid to endure responsibilities. And so while I may have had freedom before when I was a single person and even before I had kids, how much of that was ignoring some responsibilities? Um, Like, let's say I went to adoration but skipped out on studying or something like that. Because Christ wants us to love him in the, again, the daily duty of studying and adoration and all of it. And so in marriage and in parenthood, it kind of forces you to do what you ought because you just have to. You just do it. You can't not feed your child. You can't not change their diaper. You just have to do it. You can't forget um, to pack certain things in their diaper bag. You have to make sure you do or else you're going to be in trouble later. (laughs) Um, And so I would say it was definitely a difficult switch for me. And it was something that I struggled with a lot. You know, how do I go from having this freedom to go to adoration and go to daily mass and then barely be able to do that at all because I've got these little ones. And I feel like it really wasn't until recently that I started to find a nice rhythm in how I would pray. And I think part of that was, so right after I had the boys um, this past August, two weeks later I ended up in the ER with uh, the coronavirus. I ended up being in the isolation unit all by myself and without, you know, my newborn boys and Mary Trez and Jason, it was it was difficult. But 
I found myself contemplating the cross and how, you know, in those moments when I had a hard time breathing or I was just coughing and coughing and coughing and couldn't catch my breath, I would find myself thinking about how Christ on the cross, everything that he had to do just to be able to breathe because he had to literally lift up on his wounds and bring himself even more pain just so that he could breathe. And so I would try to remember that I was as I was having my own problems with breathing. And then when I finally got out of the hospital and was able to go back home, I really, I talked to Jason about, you know, what we could do to be better at praying because we had some sort of a prayer routine already, but we definitely could have been better about it, both individually and um, together as a family. Because we do night prayer with the kids every night, but we also have to, we try to remember to pray as a couple as well. And so we would remember to pray more uh, right before we went to bed. We started doing the Divine Mercy Chaplet when we were doing the dishes after dinner. And in the morning when I'm feeding the boys, I'll read the readings for the day and do morning prayer from the Liturgy of the Hours. And so really started to find my way after that. Like It's almost like Jesus opened my mind to how I could better fit into my life, my time with him. Because as a mom, you get very, very busy. You know, like my mornings essentially are, are feeding children. <laughs> I go from feeding Mary Trez to feeding the boys to then feeding Mary Trez lunch and putting them all down. <laughs> and so in those moments, I try to have my little prayer time with Jesus. You know, when the boys are eating at 6 a.m., like I said, I'll do my morning prayers. And then folding laundry, I try to ask him for help with the children and um, help Jason during the day at work and with his studies and ask for prayers for anybody who I know in my life might need it. We even have a list on my phone when we do night prayer with uh, the kids of, you know, who we pray for. Throughout the day, if I remember those people, I'll try to try to keep in mind that they need prayers as well. And so that's, that's how I've begun to fit prayer into my life because it can be very hard, especially switching from having more freedom to being really busy during the day. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that the way that you did, just just your honesty and, and sharing your own experience of that. And I, I want to thank you as well for being so dedicated to that, because whether you feel it or sense it or not, um, someone like myself looking in from the outside into your family, like, I don't know if you know this or believe this or whatever, but like it actually inspires me. People sometimes talk about how they're inspired by a priest. Well, priests are very often inspired by the married people that are in their lives. Um, the, the two vocations can really complement each other in that way. And so maybe as we're starting to bring this episode to a close and, you know, because I know we're going to be tapping into your insights and experience in the upcoming episodes, mm-hmm. but just to kind of uh, wrap this up with a nice little bow, I I found this quote by G.K. Chesterton that I think of, you, know, you mentioned Chesterton earlier, and I, I think of this quote every time I'm around a family and it it could even be like in the midst of chaos. Like I was literally with you, what, two weeks ago <laughs> when you had a kid who was puking all over the stands in the football game and it was just a hot mess. And you're like, give me that bag. And Jason's like looking around and you had your extended family around you and like, to the outside, it was a mess, right? And I'm sure, I mean, I don't know this, but I'm, I'm thinking that maybe there are certain times where it seems as if, you know, this is, this is messy and I, I don't know if uh, this is really exuding God's love in this great sacrament, you know. But I would just say, 
again, through this words of G.K. Chesterton, he said, the most extraordinary thing in the world is an ordinary man and an ordinary woman and their ordinary children. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think the quote just speaks for itself. I would say that that is my experience looking in as an outsider. So I want to thank you again for all that you and Jason do to uh, keep your own spiritual lives going and uh, to embrace the challenges that come your way and to seek to find God in all things because uh, it is inspiring even in the messiness to the people on the outside looking in. So thanks again for that. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure that we uh, helped you uh, affirm your vocation to the priesthood. If if I was having any doubts, that was a moment of confirmation (laughs) where I could say, yep, I can just go home and not have to worry about any of that. With the pukey kid. That's right. That's right. Or when the kids are older and I can just, you know, rile them up and get them all hyper and then send them to mom and dad. And I have a nice, quiet place to retreat to. We call those in seminary cella boosts. That's great. All right. Well, (laughs) on that note, we're going to go ahead and wrap up with our one joy. So Mary Kate, usually at the end of our episodes, we've been sharing a one joy. So we've looked back on this past week and try to identify something that has brought us a lot of joy. So I'll go first so you can have a chance to think about that from your own week this past week. But Mm -hmm. I would just say very simply, this past weekend, I got a chance to see my family. So mom, dad, sister, and brother-in-law. And It's not very often that we can all five of us get together. Math. Um, So mom, dad, yeah, sister, brother-in-law, because we're kind of spread out across the street. So thanks, fact checker. Yep. We have confirmed that that is indeed five persons. Um, So we don't get to get together super often. So when we do, um, it's always a time that I cherish. And we just had some fun. We went and played top golf down in Auburn Hills just to pretty chill afternoon and went out to dinner afterwards and just when the five of us get together it it always uh, fills me with great joy so that was just very simply a a one joy for the week how about for you awesome so this past saturday we were able to get our two sons baptized maximilian and patrick so they are now no longer heathens they are no longer heathens they are catholics love it yep as father adam said they are Battle babies. Battle babies. Battle babies and heaven babies is what he called them. (laughs) Heaven babies. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, did you have like a big reception afterwards, big old old party to celebrate it? Yeah, so we just uh, went over to uh, the hall across the parking lot from the cathedral and had some pizza and cake and celebrated. Love it, as it should be. As it should be. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, thanks again, everybody, for tuning into this week's episode of Cause for Joy. We hope that you can find a cause for joy, even if you're going through the midst of chaos in your own life, whatever that may look like. We pray that your eyes would be fixed on Jesus and you would find him to be the cause for your joy. Until next week, God bless you. Bye.